Amen. He will not fail. He will not fail. And that does not mean that everything in life is always going to go the way we want it to. And it doesn't mean that life is always going to be easy. It means that he won't fail. That no matter what we face, he won't fail. Because we're not resting on ourselves. Who are we resting on? The Lord Almighty. Amen. Join me in prayer. God, we thank you that you won't fail, that you are an unfailing God, a God that's faithful in every circumstance, and you've proven that by giving your Son, our Savior, Jesus the Christ. We thank you, God, that you have awakened us to have faith in him. You've awakened us, some of us just to step into a church again, some of us just to be curious. God, I pray that we acknowledge where the faith, where the curiosity comes from, the God who doesn't fail. And so we're, we're yours this morning, God. Speak to us what you'd have us receive, what you'd have us stand on. I pray, God, that, um, that you'd remove me from the situation, the band from the situation, that your spirit would come into this place with power. Make us your own in your name. Amen. All right, you may be seated. Anybody happy to be in church this morning? Yeah. <laughs> All right, me too. I'm excited to, to wrap up this little mini-series on hope that we, we started last week. Last week we talked about building a foundation of hope. And this week I want to talk about standing on a foundation of hope. Does anyone in this room ever struggle? Hey, happy birthday. Does anyone in, the, anyone in this room ever struggle with hopelessness? Anyone ever struggle to have hope? in the world that we're living in. You know, I, I noticed the podcasts that I listen to just regularly have been flooded with hopelessness as church leaders have been more overwhelmed by the state of the world than they are confident in the God who doesn't fail. I don't want to be that kind of a Christian anymore. Anybody in this room ever struggle with being hopeful? I do. Last Sunday evening, Ashley and I realized we were out of a few things, so we went to the store, and as we're going to the store, like turning into the store, a cop sped up on us like, like they do when, when they're pulling you over, you know what I mean? Like, I mean, that fast, and I was like, babe, I think we're getting pulled over, and she said, well, we, we're not getting pulled over, you didn't do anything wrong, and I said, I didn't think I did anything wrong, but at this point, like, I'm getting, my face is getting red, my palms are getting sweaty, my heart's beating, I'm like, babe, I took a right on a red light, but I, I, that's legal, right? I think that's legal. You know, it's like, it's like, <laughs> I'm starting to panic. Boom, the lights come on. Um, and there we go, I was right. And I, uh, at this point, I'm confident, like I'm not just confident, I'm sure that like I'm going to jail for the rest of my life, you know? <laughs> so it's just like all sense, all reason have left me. I am a dead man walking, like hug the kids for me, babe. Tell them that I love them. Remarry. There's no sense at all in waiting for me because I'm going to jail. My time is up. <laughs> well, that's not what happened. You know, what actually happened is the officer, he came up and he said, hey, buddy, your sticker's three months past due. And Ashley said, I told him that this morning. Just sold me out completely. But here's the thing. She did tell me that that very morning, and I did not listen um, to her at all. In fact, I said, no, babe, we got another year. Um, but so he... <laughs> He, he gives us a warning. Three minutes later, we're sent on our way. Everything's fine. But still, like I'm telling you, it took me this. I'm not exaggerating for, to make a point. It took me three hours to, 
settle down to come back down into freedom. We're walking through Walmart and I'm just like, babe, I'm just, I'm shaking still, you know? Like, I'm not okay. She's like, this is just silly. But listen, three hours to settle back down into truth, into reality. And I think that some of us approach hope like this. We are forgiven. We are redeemed. We are saved by the blood of the Lamb. That's our reality. And then a small carnal threat comes against us and bam, out of nowhere, our victory and our confidence in the truth is gone. This morning I want to look at Ephesians 2. The band read it. I read a portion of it. We're going to keep reading it because I want us to just soak in it this morning. And I think Ephesians 2, I think it tells us how to stand on. It tells us what our foundation is that we should stand on. But I think it also shines light on why we still struggle, even as the redeemed, sometimes with being hopeless. In in Ephesians 2, let's just read it again, verses 1 through 3, Paul says, You were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of power of the air, the spirit that's now at work, the spirit that you see on the news, sometimes in your families, at work, the spirit that's now at work, and the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. Point number one this morning. We used to be hopeless. We used to be hopeless. Why do we struggle with hopelessness? Why does it rear its head in our lives? Why do we forget that we stand on a firm foundation of the God who doesn't fail? Because we used to be hopeless. We once had reason, I once had reason to fear when I was pulled over by the police, who I support. I just would rather not talk to you while I'm driving my car. (laughs) We once had reason to fear because I once followed the desires. We once followed the desires and the passions of our flesh or the air, right? The same desires that we see all around us growing in carnal creativity. It's insane. Growing in legislator, legislature, growing in worldly justification. I think that it's interesting that Paul says, it's almost like he does it on purpose, among whom we all once lived. We all once carried out the desires of the body and the mind, as if the biblical expectation is that we would not live with and not order our lives around the spirit of this age, blowing us to and fro any longer, that we would, we would not carry out the desires of our bodies and minds any longer, because now we have the church the body of Christ, the kingdom of heaven to order our lives around. We have been given the word of God, the spirit of God to direct our lives. We used to live in the passions of our flesh, it says, but now we are citizens of the kingdom of heaven, saved by the word made flesh. So Paul's argument is we used to be hopeless. We used to be dead. We used to be separated from God. But we are not hopeless, and we are not dead. We are not separated from God anymore. We used to be, and then he writes Ephesians 2, 4, but God. The two most famous words in the whole book of Ephesians, but God. 
This is, every pastor loves to preach this sermon, but God being rich in mercy because of the great love which, with which he loved us, even when we were dead and our trespasses made us alive together with Christ by grace. Nothing else. By grace, you've been saved and raised up with him, seated with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, literally lifted up out of one reality and set into a new one. That's what grace does for us. You used to be dead, now you are redeemed. For by grace you've been saved through faith, and it's not your own doing, it's a gift of God, not a result of work, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So we used to be hopeless, but God, these words are the catalyst of our hope. When we're feeling hopeless, we gotta remember, but God, my God does not fail. My God does not forsake. My God does not hate me. My God in grace and mercy loves me and saves me and shares with me a victory that I did not earn. But God, say that with me, but God. We used to be hopeless. We used to be dead. We used to be separated from the love of God. But God, but God. Point number two, this is putting it all together what, what Paul's argument is, but God gave mercy because he loves you. And God gave redemption because he loves you. God gave eternity because he loves you. God gave forgiveness because he loves you. God gave purpose because he loves you. This is the message of the cross. We didn't earn mercy, redemption, eternity, forgiveness, or purpose. God gave it to us in his mercy and grace because he loves you. We used to be hopeless, but God being rich in mercy loved us. God being rich in mercy made us alive together with Christ. He seated us in a new reality so that for all of eternity he could affirm in us and pour out over us, continue to show us how valuable we are to him. You matter to God. In his grace, he awakened us to faith. He forgave our pride and shame, and he establishes us to live as children of God, now and forever, partnering with God. Partnering with God in the redemption of all things. So we used to walk in the power of the air, being blown to and fro. This passion, this lust, this emotion, that emotion. But God prepared for us and worked in us and overflowed in us salvation that we should walk in it. Why do we struggle with hopelessness? So we used to be. But God upended that reality with a new reality of mercy and redemption and eternity, forgiveness and purpose. Paul says this in starting in verse 11. Therefore remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision We'll unpack that in a second, which is made up in the flesh by hands. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. You used to be. Sometimes like when I got pulled over last Sunday, and sometimes like when we get caught up in grief, sometimes like when we feel powerless over a situation, 
Sometimes, like when we are afraid and when we've been let down by people that shouldn't have let us down, sometimes by the body of Christ, sometimes like when we face the decay of our flesh, sometimes our deadness and our hopelessness lingers, doesn't it? Because we used to be. And I love that the passage of Scripture says, you Gentiles in the flesh, called the uncircumcision by what's called the circumcision, which is a religious practice made in the flesh by hands. Remember, you remember, Paul is acknowledging that sometimes, sometimes our deadness lingers not only because our sin lingers, not only because we still make mistakes, not only because we still struggle with doubt and uncertainty, but sometimes it's because good and ill, meaning followers of the same God in foolishness and ignorance, have put heavy and unbearable burdens of shame and comparison and expectation on others, forgetting that it is by grace we've been saved. And so sometimes those good and ill-meaning followers of the same God steal the hope and the confidence that, yes, like we were once hopeless, but God gave me mercy, and God gave me redemption, and God gave me eternity, and God gave me forgiveness, and God gave me purpose. Paul says, you remember, you remember that whatever it is, if it's sin that lingers or if it's a Christian that doesn't get it, you remember that it's not you any longer. No matter what the lingering says, no matter what another sinner might say, it is not you any longer. Your dead self was without hope. Your dead self was without hope. Remember, I was, but I'm not any longer. Look at somebody and say, you're not anymore. The great teacher, R.C. Sproul, he says it like this. He says, hope, hope's the anchor of the soul. Because it gives stability to the Christian life. But hope is not simply a wish. I wish such and such would take place. Rather, it is that which latches on to the certainty of the promise of the future that God has made. Brothers and sisters, the foundation of Christ and him crucified should make us fearless. It doesn't matter what the government's doing. It doesn't matter what the neighbors are doing. It doesn't matter what the other six, seventh graders in my seventh graders class are doing. My God doesn't fail. Oh, I'm preaching to myself right now. I need you to know. Remember, you were hopeless, you were dead, you were separated from the love of God. Remember, why? Remember so that when hopelessness rears its head, you can tell the devil what you've been saved from. You can't take me back there, devil. I've been redeemed. Oh, I'm preaching to myself, I swear to God, I'm preaching to myself. Paul says in verse 13, he says, remember that now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off, you who once were, you who used to be, You've been brought near by the blood of Christ. Hallelujah. You've been brought near by the blood of Christ. Your dead self was without hope, but you, you are saved. You are saved. You are saved. Come on, somebody say, I'm saved. I'm saved. 
Yes, you're saved, saved by the blood of the lamb, not by your efforts, not by how many times you make it to church on a Sunday, not by if you opened up your Bible this week, not by if you didn't raise your voice in the supermarket or at your children. Are you, come on, are you with me? Not by yourself, not by your works, by the blood of the lamb. It's in grace through faith. John Newton says this. He says, our righteousness is in him. And our hope depends not on the exercise of grace in us. Not how we live out faith. That's not where we get hope. But on the fullness of grace, the fullness of love in him. And upon his obedience to death. Now I'm not freeing us from discipleship this morning. But I'm telling you the gospel of Jesus Christ. It doesn't rest on you. You do fail. He does not. I do fail. He does not. He will not. He cannot. Brothers and sisters, we worship Christ crucified and resurrected, and so we do not hope in our ability to be perfect Christians. We do not hope in our ability to always get it right. We hope in the cross of Jesus Christ. The, oh, come on, the cross of Jesus Christ. We do not hope that a world separated from God might, might be fair to us this time and might affirm us this time and might secure us this time and might spare us this time. We hope in the cross of Jesus Christ, him crucified and resurrected. It's, yes, yeah, clap for him. Yeah, his cross, it's his cross that saves us. And it's his cross that perfects us. It's his cross that makes us right before God so that one day each and every one of us will stand before him face to face. Woo! You know what separates us from the Mormons and what separates us from the other people that claim Jesus? We get to stand face to face with our God because Christ has cleansed us completely. This is the foundation that we stand on. Many of us still put faith in our own works. And so the old self, the dead self, the helpless self, the separated self tells us there's no hope in this. But he doesn't fail. There's a story. I might offend some of you this morning. Um, and I would just ask that you put on your big kid pants and listen to the point, Okay. <laughs> Um, there's a, <laughs> you, just, you know what I've learned being a pastor? You just never know if Christians are going to be Christian, you know? <laughs> just, oh, can you know? <laughs> a pastor's going to come back. He's going to be like, you can't ever preach again. <laughs> Have you ever met a Christian? Some, that's an unfortunate thing that we all understand what I'm saying. We need to be different in this house. We got to bring the kingdom of heaven into this house. We got to prove hurting sinners in search of Christ that the Bible is real and it can live and it will hear. I don't care what happened over there. God is faithful. He doesn't fail. There's a story about a kid that came up to a pastor after a worship service, and he said to the pastor, if I follow Jesus, do I have to give up smoking pot? And the pastor said, um, no, follow Jesus. And the kid said, well, I don't think you understand what I'm saying. If I follow Jesus, do I have to give up marijuana? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the pastor said, no, 
you have to give up not following Jesus. And the kid's like, Pastor, you don't get it. And he pulls a doobie out of his pocket. He pushes it in the pastor's face. If I follow Jesus, do I have to give up this? And the pastor's like, look, I think you want my opinion. Do I think that's the best for you? I don't think that's the best for you. But do you have to get cleaned up to take a shower? Do you have to get do you have to get healed to go to the doctor? Do you have to get skinny to go to the gym? Ooh! Yes. Come on. You try to be offended now. I dare you. I dare you. You, you He said humble yourself. Humble yourself to talk with and listen to and live with Jesus Christ. Humble yourself. This is the part we don't like. Humble yourself to fellowship with and listen to and live with the body of Christ, the people of Christ, his church, and everything in your life that needs cleaned up, son, the pastor says, everything that needs cleaned up, it'll get cleaned up. You, Jesus, and his church, you'll work that out. See, this kid thought following Jesus depended on his efforts. And his purity. And that is a shaky foundation which many of us live. As long as we're hoping in our abilities and work, uh, in our abilities of working out salvation, and our ability to live out faith perfectly and precisely, um, then we're going to continue, one, to be a very offensive brother and sister to other Christians that they've come to faith believing it's mercy, it's a faith of mercy that we receive. And we put burden and judgment upon them. As long as we hope in our ability to live this faith perfectly, we're gonna continue to hurt other people and we're going to miss the fullness of his grace and the fullness of his obedience, the fullness of his perfection, the fullness of his hope. That is the fullness of our salvation and hope. Paul says in verse 14, for he himself, it's Jesus, who is our peace, who's made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and he preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens. You are fellow citizens with the saints, members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the prophets and apostles. Christ Jesus himself is the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. So Paul says, the, the word of God says what, that when you get this, when you start to embody this, when you stand on this as a foundation for life, for hope, for everything, that your salvation rests solely on the love of God found in the cross of Jesus Christ, received through faith in what Christ has done, then you're not only saved, but you're going to start to flourish in hope. But this is the spot that many of us like to say, but, but, but we're not saying, but God. We say, well, what about offensive behaviors? And what about Christians that do this? And what about unfruitful? And are you with me? We always, we stop 
flourishing with our butts. And when we stop flourishing with our butts, what we've done is we've made a real butt out of ourselves. That just came in. <laughs> That's spontaneous comedy. <laughs> we step off that foundation onto the other one. Are you with me? That's all we've done. We've stepped off Christ. We've stepped on ourselves. But when you get that your salvation rests solely on the love of God found on the cr- in the cross of Jesus Christ, received through faith, then you're not only saved, but you're going to have a lot, a lot of confidence and hope. You're going to have hope in your identity in Jesus Christ. Hope in your identity in Jesus Christ. In a world that now they ask, they, they were asking my, my four-year-old in preschool, how do you identify? He's like, I don't know, a dinosaur? Like, like and the world is, says, you don't know who you are. Figure it out. You can be anything you want. You're going to have hope in your identity in Christ. I'm a child who's been redeemed. A sinner who used to be, but I'm not anymore. And there won't be an uncertainty or a threat or an offense or a lust that can steal away who you are now. These things may have threatened me before but now I'm saved. When you get that your salvation rests solely on the love of God found in the cross of Jesus Christ, not only will you be saved, but you will have hope in in your identity as the church. And brothers and sisters, I just want to say that we've got people every week visiting this church. Some of us, myself included, have a lot of baggage having identity as, as one who's a part of the church because we've been hurt, because we've been abandoned, because we've been treated as disposable. But God has a will that we would not do faith alone, that we would be his body, and that his body would make an impact in this world. Together. When you stand on Christ as a firm foundation, you'll have hope in your identity in the church, having a peace that I do not stand on my own because I'm in the body of Christ, the army of the redeemed, and we have been seated together, all of us seated together, lifted up out of the dead reality and placed into the heavenly reality, seated together in the heavenly places, heaven's truths, heaven's realities are now mine. We are citizens of the kingdom of God. Paul says when you get that your salvation rests solely on the love of God found in the cross of Christ, not only will you be saved, but you will have hope in the consistent presence of God. Who doesn't want to have the faith anymore that says, where are you, God? I need you. You just know God's right here. He doesn't fail. He's with me in this. He will not forsake me. Confidence that we have an advocate in God named the Holy Spirit who is counseling us and who is praying for us and who is interceding on our behalf, getting us, keeping us in the strength to keep the faith. When we get that our salvation rests solely on the love of God found in the cross of Jesus Christ, not only will we be saved, but we'll have hope in belonging. We will know I will not be forsaken or abandoned. I am not alone. I want to have confidence in belonging. How about y'all? What do you think that the youth of America are crying out for? Not just America, the youth of the world. Belonging. Our angst and our fear will diminish as we live in the presence of God with his people, knowing that we, our place is secure, not because we earned it, 
because he gifted it to us when he went to the cross and shed his blood. When we get that our salvation rests solely on the love of God found in the cross of Jesus Christ, not only will we be saved, but our hope will be in an unwavering faith. We will have a ridiculous confidence. This is what it says, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus as the cornerstone. As we grow in confidence of what Jesus has done, we'll stop trusting ourselves. We'll stop jumping off that foundation, making butts of ourselves. We'll stop trusting in worldly pleasures. We'll stand on the foundation that's been handed down to us by the apostles and prophets. And then he says, when you get that your salvation rests solely on the love of God found in the cross of Jesus Christ, you're going to change the world. You will be the hope of the world. You also being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. When we start to get this, when we start to embody, I did not earn this at all. And I might be living faith well today, but that's by the grace of God. But tomorrow, if I'm not living faith well, it's still by the grace of God. When we start to get this and embody this, that our salvation has absolutely nothing to do with our efforts, nothing that we've earned, nothing that we've done, then we will live in a freedom to respond to him with joy, lived in a freedom that the whole earth groans for, and we will carry hope for the hopeless. We will carry the remedy for hopelessness. And people will flock to us. Who is this Jesus? That's what, I've, that's what I felt like the Spirit of God worked in me this week as I was working on this message. I liked it, and I hated it. I felt like the Spirit of God said, who has flocked to you? Who's flocked to us? Maybe we've been standing on the wrong foundation. These things are promised to us, church. When we surrender all and we stand on the foundation of Christ crucified, we will have hope and victorious identity in Jesus Christ. And we will have hope in our victorious people and the kingdom of God. We will have hope in the presence of God, hope in belonging, hope in secured faith, and hope in a profound and earth-shattering influence. But it starts by standing on the foundation of Christ crucified, Christ in Christ alone. I did not earn it. This is how John Piper says it. He says, there's no sweeter message of hope in all the world than to hear God announce that when you get up in the morning miserable and depressed with a sense of guilt and estrangement before a holy God, you can go to bed that very night. That very night, this night, with a quiet and peaceful heart knowing that every sin you have ever committed and ever will commit is forgiven and you are reconciled to the almighty God by the death of his son. That's the free offer of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You cannot earn it. You cannot do anything to, to earn it. So you might as well stop working to earn it and stand on it. My God won't fail. My God won't fail. Church, you don't have to get cleaned up to take a shower. Anybody take a shower before they took a shower this morning? And you don't have to get fit to go to the gym. You come and God will work out the rest.
You don't have to be perfect to come to Jesus. I don't know who needs to hear this message of hope. I'd say everybody needs to hear this message of hope. There is nothing that you have to do to earn the love of God. Nothing that you have to do to earn the salvation of God except for stand on it in faith. Yes, he won't fail and I do. We're a, we are a church that wants to walk with you in faith. And if you haven't made the choice to receive Christ, man, you can come up. I told Titus I'd probably forget. If you haven't made the choice to receive Christ, it's free. Come as you are. In ministry, the thing that I've heard from people more than everything else is, I couldn't, I couldn't go in there, I'd burn up. Well, that's, that's not, you're talking about the wrong God, the false gods. That's not Jesus Christ, the true God the victorious God, the God who defeated death. He wants you as you are. He's done the work to cleanse that shame, to rid you of that shame. That you could stand not in pride, but stand in confidence. I'm set free by the blood of the lamb. As a church, we want to walk with you in that because we're going to need you to walk with us in it too. So we're going to pray together and we'd invite you. If you want this free gift of salvation, it's yours. You just have to tell him, I receive it. You just, you just have to tell him, I want that in faith. So we're going to pray with you, and then we're going to live it out together, standing on the firm foundation. Just pray with me right now. Dear God, I'm a sinner, and you're perfect. I receive your perfect love. I receive your perfect forgiveness. And I am now redeemed. I am saved. Thank you, God. I will live my life standing on that truth. Help me to remember, God. I never have to earn it. Your love never fails. And so I give you my life. Amen. Stand with me and let's sing.